Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I want to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. We are at podcast 107, and I have a very interesting show today. Uh, This is a special podcast where I'm actually presenting a presentation on uh, the three diaphragms of the body. Now, there are many diaphragms of the body, but in this presentation, which I am doing for a group of somatic educators, uh, the organization is called Continuum Movement, and Continuum was started by my mentor and friend, Emily Conrad. She passed away a few years ago, and I've been asked by the executive director, uh, Donna Leah Getz, who she who is running the organization now uh, we are having a weekend meeting with the continuum teachers these are teachers in training and i've been asked to give a uh, presentation and then we're going to do what we call a continuum dive and the topic is going to be on the diaphragms now you might say what do diaphragms have to do with the eyes and vision Well, as you know, that uh, I feel that every part of the body is related to uh, itself. And the diaphragms offer us the opportunity of oxygenating, creating more oxygen in the blood. And whenever we have more oxygenation, we have more hydration. The cellular metabolism works better because the mitochondria receive the, uh, the, the energy to work more efficiently and also to get rid of metabolic waste. And we know in eye disease, a lot of the eye problems are related to um, metabolic waste that accumulates. But this is more of a macro global presentation, so I'm not going to be talking about the eyes, uh, but I am going to be exploring the diaphragms And uh, it's very interesting. So enjoy the show and uh, thanks for tuning in. So everybody, I want to welcome you to um, my presentation this afternoon. And uh, it's so great to see all of your smiling faces. And yes, we are definitely being presented with some challenges, but we are also given the opportunity to help a lot of people through um, this amazing modality continuum movement and I chose this uh, particular topic today for a variety of reasons one of the reasons is that it it took me back to my uh, wellness um, the the practitioner training that I did with uh, Emily it was back in 2011, and uh, the, the Wellsprings training, when I did it with Emily, to be able to spend 21 days with her was mind-blowing, um, as you can imagine. And in one of our uh, sessions, we actually, she and I, uh, were outside the studio in Santa Monica, those of you that have been, were, have been to her studio, And we were having lunch and we started to talk about uh, the importance of our breathing. And of course, 
you know, one of the things I've learned from Emily is that we need to take a baseline. And I think Donna Leah will attest to that. And it's such a great way to measure, you know, what's going on in, at, at any level. And we started, Emily and I started to talk about, you know, how many different diaphragms there are in the body. And that was a new topic for me. And uh, so it inspired me to start studying, uh, you know, what are the different diaphragms and how do they relate to each other? You know, we think about the respiratory diaphragm as the main one, but we have many others. And, you know, with the COVID uh, virus, uh, one of the uh, parts of the body that it really uh, attacks is the respiratory system. I have a friend of mine who's a pulmonologist and he works a lot with um, asthmatic patients and it's been very challenging for him uh, when somebody gets COVID and they have a weakness in their, uh, their respiratory system, how COVID affects the lungs and that you know the standard treatment is dexamethasone but we know that there's so many uh, side effects from the steroids that um, you know on the long term it's not a great treatment uh, plan and of course with things like continuum movement you know if we're working with people who say are vulnerable in their respiratory system continuum is like perfect as you know for helping people learn to self-regulate. And uh, one of the things, another thing I learned from Emily in the Wellsprings training was uh, looking at tissue and reading tissue. And it's a little harder to do in the Zoom, but when we get back together, um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful practice to be able to say, take one of the students and watch how the tissue is informed based on our breathing or lack of breathing. Uh, I remember a, a person that Emily had been working with who had had uh, stage four cancer, throat cancer, and uh, he actually came into our, our training one day and there were, I guess, 24 people in our, uh, in our Wellsprings training and he lay down in the middle of the studio and we did about a two and a half hour draw, uh, dive. And Emily pointed out the, the tissue from the uh, radiation. And of course you could see how damaged it was. And just after doing that dive, you could see the regenerative quality of being in the field, being in the sound field, you know, all the things that uh, we were doing at that time and it really, it really opened me around how potent, uh, you know, continuum is at changing tissue, whether it's on the external or if it's on the internal. And as we go through the, the diaphragm anatomy and physiology uh, today, um, it's going to give you some ideas on, you know, what you might want to address either in your own uh, process, your family's process, and hopefully your students. Um, so, uh, and, I, and I've got more to say about Emily, but I'll save that for the um, presentation. Interesting thing I was reflecting on this morning, um, Donna Leah introduced me to M&M, 
Maria and uh, Mark in uh, Greece. And I went there last November, stayed with them. And one of the things that Maria uh, did that was really incredible, and I share this because she's a wonderful teacher, is looking into anatomy. Let's say you want to do a, a class on women's health, reproductive health, for example. And what she did was she would actually study the anatomy very in very great detail and create a whole process, maybe a series of classes or dives based on the anatomy and physiology and then bringing the, the functional anatomy. And then, of course, we talk about the cosmic anatomy and, you know, uh, all the, anat the three anatomies that, that Emily uh, invented. Anyways, it was a really interesting and uh, informative uh, piece of advice that I got by watching what she was doing. And that's why it's always great to, you know, take other people's classes. And of course, right now it's a little more challenging, but that's going to change. And um, uh, the other thing I'm going to say about my, my presentation this afternoon is that um, I want to have an open dialogue with each and every one of you. So as I start talking about the diaphragms, you may have a certain perspective, insight, personal experience, and I really would invite you to share um, whatever comes up for you around what you may know. Because even though right now I'm sitting, you know, in the teacher's chair, we're all equal in this. And I can't tell you how many retreats I've been on where another participant has said something that's been so profound for me that, uh, you know, the teacher didn't say it, but it was one of the participants. So we're here for each other as wisdom keepers. And uh, so the, the floor is going to be open if it isn't, if you don't know that already, as I start going into some of the technical stuff that um, uh, I really want to hear from each and every one of you. I also want to leave time before we actually do the dive for Q&A. Uh, I know that was a very important part of uh, the meeting in February. And uh, so I want to leave time for that. And if a question comes up after today, uh, I want you to know that you can email me and I'll be happy to do my best to answer whether it's, hey, you know, what, what do you recommend in terms of a sequence of a dive or, you know, what do you think of this particular case or that or, or you know, whatever, whatever comes up for you. Um, we're kind of in this um, expansion of time-space. That's one of the things I love about Continuum is that we come out of linear time. And even after when formally we might end at 5.30 today, as Donalia is saying, taking this into dream time, the fluid body doesn't understand linear time. It kind of just flows. And um, so things may bubble up for you after uh, our, our experience today or what I say. So the, the door is always open for you. And um, uh, this is a beginning. And these are some ideas that I put together, but it's not set in stone. And there may be things that you take from this that you resonate with. There may be things that you go, you know, I'm not sure about that. And that's totally fine. You know, um, 
when I was studying to be uh, both a Wellsprings practitioner and a continuum teacher, Emily presented so many different uh, scenarios. And even to this day, I'll go back and I'll listen to one of her lectures and I pick up something that's a golden nugget. So um, I, I would encourage you that uh, to keep listening to these recordings um, because something may shift for you and you go, oh, I didn't really see it that way. So um, with that being said, I think what I'm going to do is we'll start with the presentation right now. And this was, a, um, this was given to you, so you will have the, um, all of these notes. There's some links here. We're going to look at a few short YouTube videos as well. So, um, so the, the topic today is the three di diagram, uh, the diaphragms. And um, my invitation is that this is a regenerative inquiry. And when I talk about our interconnectedness, one of the things that I want you to consider is your own interconnectedness with your own diaphragms. Um, again, one of the things I learned at the Wellsprings is that the more attuned and resonant and coherent I am, then my clients or my students are tracking me. They're tuned to me. And so I'm kind of like leading them. And so if, if I'm exploring what's the connection of my diaphragms and they're pretty connected, that, that transmission immediately then comes to, to people. And I can tell you right now, uh, with a lot of the sessions that I'm giving and classes I'm teaching, because of the fear uh, mongering that's going on and the fear level, uh, our diaphragms are pretty shut down. And uh, I'll speak more about that in a few minutes. So I, on all my uh, presentations, I want to give a tribute to Emily. Um, I just so love her and uh, she's with me all the time and uh, just um, deep gratitude with her visionary work. So these are quotes from Life on Land. Uh, the first one is from an evolutionary perspective, adaptability is the key to survival. And I'd like to accent that by saying that uh, what I've observed in my family's health, in my health, in all my community, that one of the things that I really teach is something called versatility and adaptability. And I believe the continuum movement is one of the, one of the ways to really access a deeper adaptability. And especially in these times, the more adaptability we have on a cellular level, on an immune system level, this is how we're going to navigate and evolve to the next level. Another quote from Emily, without the, under, with, without the understanding of how fluid organizes itself within our tissue, it would be difficult to understand movement as information. And this echoes when, not only when I'm teaching continuum, but also when I'm doing craniosacral therapy, when I'm counseling somebody, um, I really kind of hold this idea of this, the, the fluid, the movement uh, carries the information. And we see this in water. You know, I did a number of water studies uh, looking at water that spirals. 
uh, and water that runs in a straight line like city water. And in my measuring devices, I found that water that was spiraled carried an information that had a higher frequency and vibration. So it was interesting when I was introduced to continuum and how we talk about spiral wave pulsation. And when we start doing that in our body, we are creating structured water in us. And the definition of structured water is uh, water that um, that's vibrating at a high resonance stream and there's more efficiency in our hydration. And if we can do that across the board, I think it reduces inflammation. Um, it certainly is going to uh, neutralize things like stress, trauma, and toxicities that we're all uh, dealing with right now. All right, two other quotes from Life on Land. Uh, Respiratory structure and design of the diaphragm will either inhibit or expand breath. This in turn will signal our cranial bones to adjust to a greater or lesser requirements. And when we speak about the diaphragms today, I'm going to bring in, just spotlight for a moment, the cranial bones because, um, again, in my cranial work, I have found that uh, through continuum and craniosacral, uh, that as I start uh, helping the cranial bones move, it's a game changer in terms of balancing our nervous system, our endocrine system. Um, and of course, uh, the person is starting to dissolve some of the, the, the defense strategies that, again, we're all living with right now. And then the last quote I want to say with em about Emily, uh, she says, the stifling of our structure due to rigid patterns of thought as well as action will create an overall inhibition of information, whether personal or biocosmic. And I bring in the biocosmic because we are on a micro level, but we're also on a macro level, and that resonance, resonance stream happens from the very minute to the very large. And when we connect to that stream, it becomes very nourishing for us, and it kind of opens up our perspective around um, hmm, uh, species inclusivity. And it's very easy for us to get into a very narrow thought pattern, but this is just a reminder. Uh, it's kind of like the bell that goes off when we're doing meditation. Oh, I got to come back to my breath. It's just that's the bell saying, okay, just come back to the idea of the biocosmic and that we're really interconnected in that way. So our exploration today of the three diaphragms that I've chosen, the maxillary sinus, uh, the respiratory diaphragm, and the pelvic diaphragm. So I pose this question to you. We could certainly look in any of a number of um, anatomy books and get a very technical definition. Um, so what I came up with was more of a functional perspective. A diaphragm could be a cavity, a chamber, a container. It is a, pl a place of deep possibilities of potentia. Uh, and you may find this as you start going into your dive today that you may be surprised uh, how much uh, information is in there that maybe you weren't aware of. 
It offers the opportunity for, of course, what we talk about in continuum dissolution and resolution. So the dissolution could be the exhale and the resolution could be the inhale. If we bring in the mystery school, we can talk about the Ouroboros, birth, death, you know, the, the ongoing cycle of life. And ultimately, what we're going for is ultimate nourishment. And I'm seeing, and you're probably seeing this too, that most people right now are in a pretty depleted state. You know, my hearts go out to, to parents now who are trying to homeschool children. And it's a full-time job on top of the financial pressures they're having. And so you've got that whole scene going on. Then you've got the elders who, you know, are afraid to go out. And then, of course, you know, we've got the young folks, uh, the teenagers, and you know the 20s and i i'm working with these with these uh with these age groups especially this one and they're frustrated now one of the things they're doing is they're very adept at online things like tiktok and instagram and they're doing very positive creative things but ultimately if we can um kind of hold that space of the diaphragm and i bring the earth's diaphragm into this mother earth and what's going on in her diaphragm with the fires in California, in Australia, the lungs are burning up, our lungs, the earth's lungs from all the trees. And so there's a lot at stake here. And I feel that the diaphragm is an essential piece of the key that's going to unlock our ability to transcend and learn and move forward. Um, now, back to more of what may show up for your clients or for you is that the diaphragm, in my experience, has shown me a direct result of my birth and bonding imprints. Uh, I work with a lot of kids with autism, and uh, most of you know that. And I ask a lot of questions about the birth experience, and I'm really exploring the diaphragmatic movement of those kids. And I find all of them are in paralysis around their diaphragm. So those early nonverbal imprints can be um, maybe accessed through continuum movement. I mean, I do it with the place that I work with. Uh, we're working with special needs kids. And it's amazing when I just get them do, to do five or ten minutes of sound you know, with the father looking at me very, you know, scowling, like, what the heck are you doing? And then seeing the child get up and have so much light in him or her from just doing some simple sounds and them touching around their diaphragm, uh, it's profound. So I, I put that to you as a possibility. And then the question I have for you is, what is your definition of the diaphragm? What, what, what do you know? What do you think of the diaphragm? And, um, you know, we can either take some 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 comments now um, or I can move on it's kind of up to you if you feel like you you're inspired to say something you can unmute yourself but love to hear what your you know what your definition of the diaphragm is um, if we think about the the back of the diaphragm is kind of on the front of the spine um, but that whole wave of the spine and how that impacts I love that, the jellyfish uh, metaphor that you bring into the pelvic diaphragm. Beautiful. And um, 
yeah, it'll be really interesting to hear from the dive how that affects even, as you say, the chakras and the kundalini. Um, again, these are things that I don't speak about much, but certainly um, acknowledge. And thanks for bringing it to the group. I think it'll be really helpful as we move forward in the, in the dive. So um, you complete? Yep. Okay. I'm going to move on. Okay, so in terms of the diaphragm, and I'll show you. I just you... have a question. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. before you move on. Yes, go ahead, um, Kristen. I'm just, um, you know, I'm wondering if, I don't want to interrupt your flow, but I would just like to have more understanding of um, the pelvic diaphragm and the um, respiratory diagram, like the diaphragm, if they're not in sync. Like if a person's pelvic diaphragm is just locked down, can they still really get enough movement and motion in their respiratory mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. diaphragm? Or is it always going to mirror, mirror each other? Because I, I feel like this is a, something I really want to understand. You know what I mean? Like, does, does one have to be free for the other one to be free? Or because I see this a lot and I haven't really known, you know, gotten mm -hmm. it uh, unlocked <clears throat> that much. Well, um, I'll speak from my personal experience because um, my pelvic diaphragm, when I met Emily, was pretty locked down. And it's, it's, you know, pretty normal with the kind of exercise I was doing and, you know, just the things that in normal life happen. And when I started to release my pelvic diaphragm, I noticed that my respiratory diaphragm had much more uh, capability and scope. Um, and so for me, the domino effect was pelvic, release the pelvic uh, diaphragm first, and then the respiratory diaphragm would follow. However, uh, in some of my clients, what I've noticed is that, now this is more with, with women, is that if they release the respiratory diaphragm, they would heal some of the abuse and some of the things that happened to them, uh, which created a lockdown in the pelvic diaphragm. So I guess my answer is not, <laughs> it isn't like one answer. One of the things right. that we do in our, in our deeper, um, deeper classes is we actually have a, a sharing in partners with um, diaphragm, uh, dialogue and we have the pelvic talk to the respiratory and the respiratory talk to the pelvic and you know the pelvic uh diaphragm and i'll just speak for me was very loaded um and i think it is probably for a lot of people and so just accessing that deeper kind of connection uh releases the toxicity energetically that's there and I think it's a it's a symbiotic and a synergistic kind of thing. I mean, we'll see what happens today because the sounds that I'm giving you and the motif is designed to create a release and a connection at a deeper level between those. And then you've got the maxillary up here as the dome. And uh, so we'll we'll see where that fits in. I think it's very individualized. Um, and I think okay. it's, it's something that, again, you can 
uh, you know, you can explore. You know, if I go to this slide, well, the diaphragm is consisted of bones, connective tissue, fascia, muscle, fluid, and it reflects so much. I mean, it carries our scroll of history around our nervous system, our fluid body. Um, again, uh, what is the state of the movement and flexibility of the diaphragm? For most lay people out there, it's not very healthy. And uh, so I don't know if I answered your question, but that's, it, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really great question. Enough, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, it's really good. Uh, and then of course, you know, I talk about trauma, stress, toxicity, and how that affects the health of the, and the vitality of the diaphragm. I mean, the diaphragms are sourcing our bloodstream with oxygen. And if we don't get enough oxygen in our bloodstream, then the mitochondria cannot produce the ATP that's needed on a cellular level. So that's going to create metabolic waste, inflammation, oxidative stress, um, among other things. And then it leads to more chronic problems um, as well. So the diaphragm is a really key component in our overall uh, you know, scheme of things. I work with a lot of men who have prostate problems. And it was so funny when I was with Emily, she would bring that up. She'd say, now the men, it's the prostate. The women, it's something else. And I took that to heart. And I, I work with a lot of men with prostate issues. And I actually use continuum as a way to help release their pelvic uh, diaphragm. And their prostate gets better. Now go figure, you know, but this is, this is kind of the connection that I see. It'll be interesting to see your community and what you bring to it and what health changes may occur, you know, in the re reproductive areas, in the, you know, the, the respiratory areas and, and so on. And we haven't even talked about the maxillary and how it affects your cognitive processing, your memory, your balance. Um, you know, when your uh, maxillary sinus is shut down, it wreaks havoc in the brain. And uh, allergies is another big issue. So uh, there you go. Um, we can apply this. So two questions for today's inquiry, how to deepen the relationship with each diaphragm and how to connect the three diaphragms so they play together. That's kind of what I, I'm inviting you to do today. Again, there may be another agenda that comes up. That's okay. Uh, this is just, uh, you know, uh, gives you a direction. So the paranasal sinuses, um, we've got, as you can see from the diagram, the maxillary are here in violet. And then we have the ethmoid, which is above it. These are very delicate. There's an ethmoid bone in the middle. We've got the nasal cavity and we've got the frontal sinus. And then if you look to the side, you can see the sphenoid. Um, this comes in really strongly, especially with people with vestibular issues, um, balance problems, and um, even vision issues. But the, the takeaway here is that this particular area, um, what I have found through my cranial work and through uh, some, when we play in this area, is the 
immediate shutdown of this maxillary sinus. And this is a major way that we get um, oxygen into our body. Uh, you know, the nose is for breathing and the mouth is for eating. And when we start doing a lot of mouth breathing, that kind of raises the temperature of our sympathetic nervous system. And um, so it's really important that we cultivate this maxillary sinus. And we're going to be palpating that with, uh, with some sounds in the, um, in the dive. This is a major inflammatory area. Also, you know, the jaw, the TMJ, has a profound effect on the sinuses, dental health, for example. And you may remember um, the tongue work that we've done, prot protracting, retracting, um, tongue clock. Uh, this is a way to help release the maxillary sinus. We're not going to be working with the tongue today, but it's another possibility for you because when you start doing retracting, protracting, you're actually influencing the cranial bones. And when you do the tongue clock, you're activating uh, the cervical spine, the maxillary sinus, and um, also the acupuncture meridians, the governing vessel, which is the upper lip and the conception vessel, which is the lower. Uh, and then you've got in facial reflexology, you've got a lot of activating points here uh, through Japanese acupuncture. Um, we've studied facial reflexology. And so this area is going to really highly influence up into the, the nasal areas. Um, so you will have the, the link to the two YouTube videos on the maxillary sinus. Um, when we get to the demonstration, I am going to do a demonstration today of this dive. And so Elizabeth and everybody else, you'll see me palpating and talking about the different areas. Um, so that's, that's a pretty good uh, illustration of maxillary. And the, the, you know, the jury is out on how the maxillary does affect the respiratory and the pelvic. Um, it's different for different people. Um, and we'll, we'll have a time at the end for sharing. And I really want to hear from you about what you discovered in those three diaphragms and how they interrelate to each other. I can write a textbook about it, but it really doesn't apply because we're human beings and we have all these different things that have influenced us. So I want to stay away from the, the textbook answer and really the, the community is going to inform us the best way. Um, so this is the YouTube on the respiratory. Here, here's a picture. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail here, but you can see again in the, the diaphragm all the different areas. Um, and you can, Elizabeth brought this out about the vertebrae, the lumbar area, and the relationship of that to the movement of the diaphragm. We've got the hepatic artery, which is going to go to the liver. Um, the phrenetic arteries, you might do a little research uh, and information on the phrenetic nerve or the phrenic nerve, P-H-R-E-N-I-C, um, and how that influences the diaphragm. Um, and 
also our digestive system. Um, you know, you probably know this, but when there are respiratory diaphragm problems, a lot of times there are things like acid reflux, um, you know, esophageal issues. Um, so you can take a look at um, all of those things, and then we can even bring in the psoas and how the psoas muscle is imposing its um, effects on the movement of the diaphragm. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, you will get the slide, so there may be one or two things that you're really, you know, attracted to and exploring that. Um, so that's the respiratory diaphragm. And now the pelvic diaphragm, this is, again is a picture that you saw in the in the video, and um, we're gonna really focus on the pubis and the coccyx, um, and then we'll take a look at, you know, some of these muscle attachments here. Um, but, I mean, I'm telling you, this is such a rich area of exploration once you really go into it deeply, and maybe you have. I know for me, myself, and also with my students, they love the pelvic work. Um, they just feel it's so freeing, men and women. So um, this is great. So these are additional videos. Um, if you want more, I like to give more resources because you can study more and see more of the pictures and things like that. So just a few more slides. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about fragmentation. Um, it's a theme that comes up in almost all of my classes um, and certainly with the, uh, with the, um, COVID virus, uh, we're being asked to isolate, and this is creating a um, its own fragmentation. And we need to remember of the greater web that promotes the unified field. And I think in continuum, we do know that. And even in my non-continuum classes, I bring that concept in. And right now with Zoom, I think it's really important to bring that in. We're not talking about a national or allopathic medical consciousness. We're talking about kind of a cosmic um, consciousness. And, um, you know, allopathic medicine tends to fragment things. And I think there's a better way to go. So I, I promote wholeness. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. The Burn Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Burn for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Burns' information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.